So we are today starting a new sermon series as a part of our good journey. You'll recall back in September, we talked about the good journey to which we are all invited into the heart of God with Jesus as our companion. We talked back in September about the things that we should do to prepare for the journey, uh, items to pack and items to not pack. In October, we looked at who might be companions with us on this journey into the heart of God. And then in November, we looked at the tables at which we uh, gather and pause along the way of our journey. And this month, we are taking a look at the journey within a journey, the journey to Bethlehem. All sorts of folks in the New Testament are making their way to Bethlehem or are there to help us make our way to Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph make their way to Bethlehem. The shepherds make their way to Bethlehem. The wise men make their way to Bethlehem, all by different routes, all by different paths. They all chart their own course to Bethlehem, and we'll be looking at each one of those over the course of these next few weeks. But today we look at a figure in the New Testament who points us the way to Bethlehem, doesn't necessarily go to Bethlehem himself, but points us the way to Bethlehem, John the Baptist, and we read a little bit about his story in Mark chapter 1. Hear the word of God. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We pray, O oh Lord, for baptism. We pray, O oh Lord, for a new thing. So allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh who dwelt among us in spirit and in truth. For we pray this in his name. Amen. You can't get there from here. You can't get there from here. Such are the less than encouraging words we have likely heard at one point or another when we have asked for directions to a place that we are not certain how to get to, but the one who knows something about our hope for destination knows also that the way to get there isn't easy. You, uh, you can't get there from here. Which, of course, isn't entirely true because the truth is you can get to anywhere from anywhere. You just have to listen hard to the coordinates and then work hard to follow the course. There's a time, there was a time 
when you could not get from the old world to the new world, but it wasn't true. You just had to know that the world was not flat. There was a time when you couldn't get to the North Pole, but it wasn't true. You just had to round up some hard, hardy, half-crazy souls who were willing to defy inhumane cold, wind, snow, and ice. There was a time when they looked up at the moon and they said, you can't get there from here. But it wasn't true. We just had to learn how to make rockets and how to defy space and gravity. You can't get there from here. We often hear those words when the way to where we want to go has been detoured in some way, a bridge is out, a tunnel's closed, a road is flooded, and it's going to mean a whole bunch of turns and twists to get to where we want to be. And the best way isn't necessarily the easy way, nor is it the shortest way. And I wonder if that isn't precisely the case today, because today is December 1st, and December 1st this year is the first day of Advent. You didn't need me to tell you that. You had our decorations to tell you that. You have our Advent wreath to tell you that. You have the Christmas music on your car radio to tell you that. You had the Christmas commercials airing back in September to tell you that. <laughs> Today, though, begins the official liturgical beginning of our journey to Bethlehem, and every year, we, each one of us, pulls out our little map to Bethlehem, the same one we used last year, the year before that, and the year before that. And we look at this map, and maybe it makes us think, at least some of us think, you know, last year, or the last several years, I set out for Bethlehem, I set out to arrive at the cradle of the king, and I never felt like I got there. I traveled to my closet, pulled out my Christmas decorations. I sojourned the Christmas parties to which I was invited. I migrated to Amazon and bought my gifts. I journeyed to the mall and got the rest of my gifts. I even went to church and heard the old Christmas tunes, but I'm not sure I ever got to Bethlehem. I never felt like I discovered the peace of the prince. How do I get to Bethlehem? And increasingly, we might wonder, and often we might be told by our culture that seems less and less interested in the manger and in the one who occupies the manger, increasingly we might be told that you really can't get there from here. At least not by the way we've been traveling. A couple years ago, the article in the newspaper had this headline, Shopper Knocked Unconscious as Christmas Sale Begins. Orange City, Florida, a mob of shoppers rushing for a sale on video games trampled the first woman in line and knocked her unconscious on Friday as they scrambled for the shells at the Walmart Supercenter. I'm guessing you can't get to Bethlehem from there. And you can't get to Bethlehem via Amazon or from the office Christmas party or from the local cable news report or from the Christmas bonus or from the latest movie about elves or reindeer or from Ann Arbor, for God's sake. I'm beginning to sound like the Grinch. <laughs> so it may explain why early in our journey to Bethlehem, we come across this character named John the Baptist. That's how Mark starts the story. Mark starts the story and says, you want to meet Jesus? Oh, you first have to meet John. 
Just when we step foot on our Advent trail, the Advent journey that never seems to get us all the way to Bethlehem, all of a sudden we hear this voice, a voice crying in the wilderness, and the voice says, you can't get there from here. You can't get there from here if what you're going to try to do is the same old thing. And the voice says, the way to Bethlehem is this way. And we, we look up and we see John standing in the Jordan River. The Jordan River. The Jordan River doesn't flow to Bethlehem. It doesn't even come within 30 miles of Bethlehem. And John says, you can't get to Bethlehem without first coming to the Jordan. You can't get to Bethlehem without stepping into the waters of the Jordan River because in the waters of the Jordan is the one who is calling for repentance, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In the Jordan is the chance to say, I, I really want to get to Bethlehem this year, and I want it to be different. I want to see the king. I want to worship the newborn savior. I want the Messiah to be born in my heart. And I know just doing the same old thing is not going to get me there. I don't want to arrive at the outskirts of Bethlehem exhausted with some dumb Christmas tie and a hangover and a credit card bills and, and a 10 more pounds on the bathroom scale. I want Bethlehem to be a start over. I want to find that peace and grace I've been looking for for a long time. And sure enough, there's old crazy John the Baptist wearing his camel's hair and his leather girdle. And he says, now, now's the time to step into the river. Put the old ways behind and head to Bethlehem a different way. The Jordan River is our crossing the Rubicon. A few weeks ago, a few of us did just that. We went down to the Jordan River, Church of the Palms Pilgrims, traveling through Jordan and Israel, found ourselves beside the still waters of the Jordan, and in the distance we heard the voice in the wilderness say, step in and ask things to be different. Step in and let the waters take you to a different place. Step in and start a new chapter. Step in and find your way to Bethlehem. So we stepped in and we let the waters of the Jordan fall upon our heads and we wondered how things might be a little different. You can't get there from here. Things have to be different. A different road, a different river, a different way a different spirit. You've heard me tell that story of the Pentecostal country preacher who got up to preach about the evils of the world and to conclude his sermon screamed, if I, if I had all the beer in the world, I'd take it and throw it in the river. If I had all the wine in the world, I'd, I'd take it and throw it in the river. If I had all the whiskey in the world, I'd take it and I'd throw it in the river. And with that, he sat down at the end of the sermon. The music director got up and said, will you please now stand and sing hymn number 365, Shall We Gather at the River? And that's the temptation, of course, in this Advent season before us to take ourselves maybe even down to the river with every hope that things will stay the same. And proving ourselves insane because insanity is to keep doing the same things, expecting different results. But there's this Baptist drenched in camel's hair, and he says, you'll never make it to Bethlehem if you want things to stay the same. So what do you want different? I mean, really, what do you want different?
Because we all have that unsettledness inside. We all have that gap between where we are and where we want to go. We all have that disquiet that says, you know, something's got to change. We all have that God-shaped vacuum in our souls, so we step into the river, and by God's grace, we name it. We tell the Baptist, we want things different. I want my relationships to be different. I want my priorities to be different. I want my habits to be different. I want my family to be different. I want my relationship with God to be different. I want Christmas itself to be different. I want the world to be different. Take me down, O Holy Spirit, to the river and wash me, wash me. Wash me up on Bethlehem's shore. Let me appear before the king. And let me receive grace to begin again. Bill Wilson, otherwise known as Bill W., the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, perhaps the greatest spiritual movement of improvement and change outside of the Gospels who guided hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, down the road of sobriety with his 12 steps said it this way, you ask yourself, as all of us must, who am I? Where am I? Whence do I go? The process of enlightenment, he continues, is usually slow, but in the end, our seeking always brings a finding. In the end, our seeking always brings a finding. Whom do you seek? The child born in Bethlehem? John says, well then come down to the river. Come down and plunge yourself in the river. Cross the Rubicon. Come, come down and say you want to go by another way. Because there's nowhere that this river cannot take you. There is no good place that you would want to go that the power of this river cannot take you. If you ever have been to the Grand Canyon, you've seen what the Colorado River can do to the upper crust of the earth. Well, then know that there is nowhere the river cannot forge its way to. And maybe that's what we need on this December 1st. We just need some hope that things can be different. We just need some hope that the river of repentance and renewal will have its power to get us all the way to Bethlehem. We just need to have some hope this is a way to get there from here. And that the first step is the biggest step. The baptism of repentance. Stepping down into the current, the gentle yet vigorous current those waters that will get us all the way to the Bethlehem child.